You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. And welcome back to the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. This is, of course, Garrett Ashley Mullet. That is a scene from Billy Madison, a movie I have admittedly never seen, but I have seen that clip several times. It comes to mind every now and then when I hear something particularly atrocious. Like, for instance, Joe Biden's first State of the Union address last night. It was awful. It was a thing to behold. It was a spectacle and curious. And I mean no disrespect, but I'll tell you what, I watched with all of my children, with the exception of our youngest, obviously. He didn't watch. Uh, He wasn't there to watch. He would have probably watched with us, but would have probably been the only one completely immune to the mind-numbing inanity Andrew was with my wife. My wife went to a birthday party for one of the ladies in our small group. And meanwhile, me and our other seven children ordered some pizza, had some ice cream, enjoyed. And when I say enjoyed, I mean that in the loosest possible sense. Uh, Enjoyed the State of the Union address. Biden's first. We hooked the laptop up to the TV. That's how we ended up watching it. My apologies to J.P. Chavez. I didn't respond to your text last night, your last message, because we were already watching kind of the pregame backstage conversation between the various hosts at the Daily Wire. Really enjoyed the inclusion of Candace Owens. She hasn't been in on any of the other backstage discussions that I've caught since she joined the Daily Wire, but I enjoyed her contribution and I enjoyed the back and forth. But we enjoyed that. And the State of the Union itself was a bit of a grind, not going to lie. At the end of it, they go back to the backstage crew and there's a little bit of quick commentary from various personalities, all the various personalities at the Daily Wire, the big names who have their own regular podcast shows and whatnot. And one by one, they all keyed in on the fact that it was dishonest and misleading and manipulative and confusing and often just very hard to follow. I mean, it's one thing to say things that are just objectively false, that are not true. It's quite another to slur your words while you do it, to trail off, to say the wrong thing, to get confused, 
to get angry and confused. Biden was both angry and confused and hard to follow in what it was that he was trying to say. What you could make out, what you could follow in his State of the Union was, uh, quite frankly, false. Uh, Not true. Uh, He lied. I don't know if this is news to anybody, but sometimes politicians lie. And sometimes politicians lie very poorly. And so one of the insightful remarks from Candace Owens I really appreciated was that she said, as opposed to the previous Democratic administration, when Biden lies, it doesn't sound very good. Right? When when Obama would lie to us, it was just like, well, okay, you know, at least we give him some marks for being eloquent and being artful in his deception. And I, I kind of feel good if I don't think too hard about what it is that he's actually saying. I kind of feel good hearing these lies. You know, so whisper sweet nothings. Uh well, Biden, by contrast, you don't feel good when he lies to you. I mean when he when he lies, it sounds bad. Uh it it sounds just really overbuilt and overwrought and affected. It sounds forced. It sounds confused. It is confused, uh, but it sounds confused. And so you just, you're left with this compound fracture of a mental process on the other end of it, trying to discern, okay, where do I begin? Where do I start with what you just said? To quote <laughs> Billy Madison, that is the dumbest answer I've ever heard. Now, if we peel back the derision a little bit, and we talk specifically to the dynamics here, I think this is where it's, it's very important for us to, yes, be clear, yes, convey some emotion, but also Let's stick to the facts ourselves. Let's not get caught up in the emotion and mistake emoting for making a better argument, coming up with a better idea. It is a sad indictment on the condition of our culture and our society and our country that even if you agreed with his policies, Biden is seen as the best representative the Democrats can put up there. He's the one who won the election. He's seen as the best representative of their party and of their politics and their philosophy, their governing philosophy, their political philosophy, their social philosophy, everything. How did it come to be that they, that they came to him and said, you know, please accept our nomination. We want you to be our candidate for the president. How did it come to be that they cheated so hard to get him into office, and they have lied so hard to keep him propped up for the past year. We're only a year in, by the way. It's been a long year, but we're only a year in. In the past year, we've gone from small businesses having to sue this administration, having to fight his OSHA mandate, his unconstitutional OSHA mandate at the Supreme Court. We've gone from mandated mask wearing where members of Congress could get fined and there was even floated talk of just not even letting them in. We're not even going to let you guys in. If you don't wear a mask, 
We're not going to let you in. Or can we eject you if you question the results of the 2020 election? Can we just remove you from office? Can we destroy your political career? Can we destroy your ability to vote on things or your standing to be able to raise issues or complain in the future? If this is a sign, you know, we want to torpedo anything future that's going to come from you. We've gone from that and Democrats, first and foremost, across this country requiring masks and vaccines for children to go to school, for adults, moms and dads, husbands and wives to go to work, for people to go to church in some cases, like Tim Keller and his Redeemer City to City and Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City. We're going to have two-tiered attendance. You can sit up in the balcony with all the other unvaxxed disease vectors, or you can sit on the main floor. You can sit up there if you're not willing to get the vaccine, or you can sit down here with polite society. Your choice. We've gone from mask and vaccine mandate battles to all of a sudden, just the day before, the Democrats announced, uh, you know what, I think we'll just skip the mask requirement for this first State of the Union. Yeah, you know, the, the science changed. The science changed. So everybody, you can all uh, just come on in. It's fine. It's fine. No worries. Oh, and also, for the next two hours, we're going to show, when the speech is not going on, we're going to show all of these very important people in our nation's government standing inches away from one another, whispering in each other's ears, talking, laughing freely, almost as if they, when the cameras weren't rolling, when the cameras weren't on them, have been carrying themselves normally for the past two years. All the while, browbeating conservatives who said, hey, wait a second, these masks... We checked the science. The science doesn't support these masks being effective. Well, I'll do it anyways. It makes some people feel safer. No. No. It makes you feel safer. And then, when you don't feel safer in the same way that you were motivated by to mandate masks, which is to say safer politically, when you don't feel safer... Well, then the science suddenly changes. The science here being political science. The political science changed for you. The polling is atrocious. Just a little bit more than one-third of Americans approve of the job that Joe Biden is doing as president one year in. Down from 56% when he took office, supposedly. We're down to the one-third territory. And most of those are... Democrats, diehard Democrats, who are just too stubborn to admit that they put forward a gentleman who is well past his prime. Most independents and the vast majority of Republicans are not having it because, in area after area, in category after category, Biden has really messed it up. 
he's really messed up everything he's touched. And then he doesn't have the integrity to come back and say, I was wrong. He just moves the goalpost. He just changes the narrative on the fly. If you question the narrative, Spotify's got it in their platform rules now. Their community standards might be to remove your content or to remove your podcast. The DOJ has put it out there that if you're sowing supposed mis, dis, and malinformation, MDM, they've got a whole department now to identify you and try and associate you increasing distrust in the government, namely the Biden administration and Democrats, to associate that with terrorism. If you start highlighting the discrepancies, the things that don't make sense, the things that don't make for a prosperous, safe, peaceful country, if you start pointing out the discrepancies, well, then you might be actually a terrorist. That's where they're going with it. Now, a couple of times last night, Biden threw out some line that was sure to get applause and maybe even a standing ovation from Republicans. He'd throw out a line that sounds like something we would agree with. And then just as quickly as they're up on their feet clapping, he'd bring in the switch, a bait and switch. I'm going to get you guys to stand up and clap, and then I'm going to deliver the non sequitur that doesn't follow from what I just said. And I'm going to roast you guys. I'm going to say, hey, let's all, you know, why do we see each other as rivals and enemies even? And we need to, you know, we're all Americans here, you know. But you guys, screw you guys. Like, <laughs> you know, get, get everybody to stand up on the, hey, yeah, we're all Americans here thing. And, and then stick the knife in. He did it several times. Also, you'll be glad to know that Putin may surround Kiev with his tanks and artillery and fighter jets and helicopters, but he will never win over the hearts and minds of the Iranian people. You'll be glad to know. I showed my sons last night on the map where Kiev is, where the Ukraine is, and where Iran is. Pro tip, they are two very different countries. Iran is allied with Russia. Ukraine is currently being invaded by Russia. Kiev is in the Ukraine. Iran is not. Iran is not being invaded by Russia. So, there's that. But again, this highlights a very important problem. And it is closely related to everything that I'm talking about with regards to this is why we get married. This is why we have children. This is why we homeschool. This is why we go to church. The problem of a selfish generation, a self-absorbed generation, the me, 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 me generation 
the problem of people who are well past their prime refusing to admit that they don't got it. They, they are not all there anymore. They are not the sharpest tool in the shed. They are not the brightest bulb in the box. They're not even in the box. In fact, they've been in the fixture for 40 years. And they done burned out. And now we're just shining a flashlight on them. Shine a whole lot of flashlights on them to make it look like they're still burning bright because there's a name recognition, there's a familiarity there. Democrats are terrified that their brand is bankrupt, which it is. I just hope that their efforts at trying to categorize election reform don't work. They're they're trying to categorize and trying to characterize election reform efforts as voter suppression. No, no. This is cheater suppression. That's why we have election laws. Because sometimes people, when they're desperate to hold on to power, and when they have demonstrated that they should not be trusted with power anymore, sometimes they cheat. I don't know if you know that. Take a look at some banana republics. Take a look at some dictatorial regimes and how they respond when there's a rival. Oh, oops, that guy just had an accident. Weird. He was taking a pleasant helicopter ride and just fell out to his death. (sighs) So sad. Well, I guess I'm in for the next four years. (laughs) Might as well make the best of it. You know. Oh, yes, he was walking in the woods and uh, he must have just given up on life because he committed suicide by shooting himself in the back of the head several times. Uh, very tragic. Yeah. But in other news, looks like there's nobody else to run against me in the fall. So I guess I'll just stay in office. Is that cool? Is that good with everybody? That's how dictatorial third world regimes do politics. That is not the way America chooses its leaders, its public servants, its elected representatives. That is not how we do things. That is not how we are going to do things moving forward. That would be a dereliction of duty for all on whose watch such a thing would occur. And we're not going to stand for it. We can't. It's theft. It's fraud. It's rank dishonesty. It's wicked. I am so disappointed in the know-nothing passivity of mainstream evangelical leadership with regards to such things. I'm so disappointed in this obsession with drawing moral equivalents all the time. All sin is sin. Well, yes, that's a very convenient way of you being a coward and justifying it to yourself. If I say all sin is sin, well, then I don't have to confront the evil murderer. I can just say, well, his, his victim, the would-be murder victim, uh, is also a sinner, and who am I to judge anyways? No. Who you are to judge is, if you're a saint, as you purport to be, you're a minister of God. You hold the oracles of life. You preach a gospel of repentance, presumably, if you're supposedly this gospel-centered, gospel-coalition figure. 
entity. Who you are to judge is the person who's supposed to be calling for revival and repentance. Who you are to judge is somebody who imitates God by being no respecter of persons, by showing no partiality as you hold to the faith. Who you are to judge is somebody who rejoices with the truth. Who you are to judge would presumably be the same as who Micah was to judge in the Old Testament. He has shown you a man what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. And when I say do justice, I don't mean you let the Marxists rewrite the dictionary. I watched this really great back and forth interview between Doug Wilson and Ben Merkel. And basically the question posed was what about the gospel-centered movement with regards to justice and politics and what is and isn't a gospel issue? And Doug Wilson had a great response. I don't agree with Doug Wilson on everything, but boy howdy, do I find it irritating when he gets so much flack because he is contradicting the groupthink of mainstream evangelical leadership. I find that frustrating. That is not unity. Groupthink is not unity. Unity, in a biblical sense, is supposed to be we have a shared purpose, a common purpose, but we've got to be Bereans about these things. But Doug Wilson's response was so appropriate and on the nose, if you ask me, where he says, what you had with the gospel-centered movement is you had some really decent guys and also some not-so-decent guys who all said, okay, let's be ecumenical here and let's focus on the gospel, right? Let's figure out what the gospel message is and let's stick to that and we'll center everything on the gospel. Now, what does it mean for something to be gospel-centric? Great question. But we're busy, right? We don't want to spend too much time on that question because it might detract from the warm and fuzzy feeling that we're getting from all being ecumenical and having a kind of unity here. What the gospel-centered movement in effect did was it convinced a lot of Christians across this country, a lot of pastors across this country, that a whole lot of what's in the Bible is not actually biblical because it's not, strictly speaking, the gospel message. It's not, strictly speaking, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Did you know that Jesus died for your sins? You can live eternally if you believe in him. Yes, that's true. That's true that we should be about the gospel, we should be preaching the gospel. But what about the whole counsel of God? What about the context of the gospel? Were we only given a tract by God or were we given his word? And is all scripture not profitable? So what happened is a whole lot of the efforts that had gone before to cultivate a Christian worldview, to encourage Christian engagement in culture and in business and in politics and in the sciences and in the arts were pushed 
out on the claim that we need to be about the gospel. And the gospel was defined in very narrow terms. And then, once the purge had happened, someone comes forward with all of these racial protests, with all of the leftist propaganda that supposedly America is a systemically racist country. Uh, law enforcement is systemically and inherently racist. Black people are just being murdered for driving while black, walking out their front door while black, going to work while black, trying to pass fake notes while high on illegal drugs, resisting arrest, having heart failure because they're so high on illegal drugs while black. So then you get a whole lot of bandwagon jumping from the gospel-centered movement folks because someone raises their hand and says, well, wait a second, isn't justice a gospel issue? If we're going to be gospel-centered, don't we have to talk about justice? Well, yes, actually. You make a fine point. Right, yes, of course. Okay. Now, can somebody please define justice? And the neo-Marxist raises his hand. (laughs) The community organizer in church clothes raises his hand and gives a Marxist definition of justice that has everything to do with equity and inequity and a whole lot of assumptions that are totally unbiblical. And even a five-minute treatment from the scriptures would be able to demonstrate that. But because unity was defined in such narrow terms and actually more rightly describes groupthink and going with the flow, racing to the middle, moral equivalence so as to offend the least number of people as they perceive it based on their reading of the tea leaves in what they think is happening politically. That five-minute conversation, when it happened was decried as insensitive, racist, bigoted, ignorant, unkind, unloving. And yet all the while, the folks who stubbornly insisted, like myself, that the really unloving thing would be to allow this farce to parade itself around as if that's Christianity. The folks who stubbornly insisted, no, 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 I want no part of this. I wash my hands of what you guys are doing and I'm going to be on the outside of this big tent passing out some common sense and encouragement to be Bereans. Those folks, and I would put Doug Wilson in this category as well from what I've seen and read and heard, those folks were accused of not being sufficiently about the gospel. What we might be seeing right now is a very similar science has changed, the science has changed moment in Big Eva to what we watched last night with the State of the Union address. The masks come off. And the folks who were paying attention all along know that the masks have been off, figuratively speaking, for some time now. We knew that this was a farce for some time. And you guys tried to shut us down You tried to shut us up because it was all about politics. The political science changed. 
God's word didn't change. Your political calculus changed. What you thought you might have to suffer for if you dared to speak the truth and talk some sense changed. You're a hireling. You're not a good shepherd if that's how you approach this. You're a hireling. You don't have a vested interest an innate love for God's word and for God's people if you change teams so easily. So maybe you're in the wrong line of work if that's you. Or maybe y'all need Jesus. All those woke apologies, all of those, I'm a white pastor, so I'm part of the problem from the likes of David Platt, those very convenient and humble bragging, zero cost, only upside, only benefit as they saw it, apologies, very public apologies. They were fatuous. They were insincere. And the test, if that really is where their heart is at, to confess sin publicly, to repent of it, the test is, once the political science changes for them, do they come back and do a full breakdown on where they went off the rails? And do they maybe step down? Not saying you're not a Christian, but maybe, just maybe, you're in the wrong line of work if you're full-time vocational ministry. Or maybe you need to repent and turn over a new leaf, and it needs to be genuine. Peter didn't step down from ministry after being confronted by Paul at Antioch. But boy, howdy, he needed to be confronted by Paul at Antioch. And if we were to speak into that situation the way that far too many of the supposedly gospel-centered folks have spoken into this division about wokeism, we would say, Paul, we need unity. You're not being very unified right now. You're not being a unifier. You're not being a uniter. You're dividing. Who do you work for, Paul? Calling Peter out like that. Don't you know he studied under Jesus for three years? Don't you realize he's the preeminent apostle? I don't know where you think you have the right to challenge him on his catering to the Judaizers. But you got another thing coming. And yet, it's the folks who imitate Paul at Antioch, as recorded in Galatians, who the church has needed so desperately and will always need so desperately. God uses the foolish things to shame the wise, and particularly those who are wise in their own eyes. God uses the weak things to shame the strong. God uses things that are nothing to bring to nothing things that are to get his glory to make sure his representation is a constant to make sure that all things work out to the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And yes, there's absolutely grace not cheap grace it's costly. It couldn't be more costly. But yes, there is grace 
for those like Peter who deny Christ three times, even when it's just a little girl asking, weren't you one of his disciples? There is grace for men like Peter who stop having anything to do with Gentile converts because the Judaizers are in town and he's deathly afraid of offending them. He really wants to stay on their good side. I don't know, maybe they're big donors, politically well-connected. I don't know. The science didn't change. What changed was the political calculation. What changed was the political science, as these men see it. And the folks who are just following the political science wherever it leads following the polling wherever it leads, they're not leaders. They're manipulators. They're mountebanks. Now, by contrast, someone who is saying the same thing, whether they're praised for it, whether they're derided for it, whether they're rewarded for it, whether they're persecuted for it, you know loves the truth. As Christians, we're told to beware when men speak well of us. And I think a large part of that is because it can be an entrapping thing. It can become something that we become addicted to. It might not be what we originally set out to get, but it feels so good to have people sing our praises. And we might say, oh, no, 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 ah, you shouldn't, shouldn't say that. No, 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 you know, but please go on, you know. And before we know it, we're being led around by the nose by whoever it is that flatters us. Now, on the flip side, we're told to not fear man who can only kill the body and then has nothing more he can do to us. That basically sets the limits on what men can threaten to do to us and us stick to our guns. If the truth is the truth, it doesn't cease to be the truth because somebody has a gun to your head. And what more can they do to you? They literally can do nothing worse to you than kill you. And somebody could say, well, they're threatening things that I hold very near and dear. Well, is that really actually more important? Is it going to be easier for them to just threaten to kill you totally and you're done or harder? So the test is, do we have the same message, whether we're being spoken well of? Do we maybe want to keep the good times rolling? Or whether we're being insulted and abused and just desperately went out? Or we see somebody else being abused for saying the thing that we were about to say. Well, you know, I don't want to be like that guy. That's where Peter was at. Peter denies Christ three times as Christ is about to be crucified. He doesn't want to end up like Jesus. Not just yet. Not right then. No, he's not ready for that. No, I don't know what you're talking about. I've never seen the man. I wonder on the flip side whether the Judaizers were flattering him, whether they were talking him up and trying to ingratiate themselves in a very mealy-mouthed, duplicitous way. 
Hey, Peter, can I talk to you for just a minute? Yeah, I just I wanted to say I really admire your work and I really appreciate what you're doing here. Um, so about the Gentile believers, I really think you need to be encouraging them to get circumcised. That just really needs to happen. You know, like you're doing a great job, but these non-Jewish believers really need to be more Jewish if they want to be accepted by God, right? I just think it's sending the wrong message that you're hanging out with them and you haven't talked about circumcision yet. I'm just really concerned about how that looks, you know? Like, I want to see you do well. There's a lot of just very oily maneuvers that get pulled like that in the church on both sides on the bullying and on the sweet talking side of it and if we're at least striving maybe imperfectly but if we're at least striving to love God first and foremost we're going to be searching his scriptures like Bereans to see whether these things are so when Satan comes along Jesus calls Peter Satan at a certain point. Get behind me, Satan, he says. Peter's trying to get real assertive with Jesus. Tell him what he is and isn't going to do. Jesus needs to remind Peter why he's here and who he takes orders from. Jesus takes orders from the Father. Let's get that clear. Jesus doesn't take orders from Peter. Think you got your wires crossed there. But... How does Jesus respond when tempted in the desert? With scripture. He's tempted with scripture. Satan knows how to quote scripture. And sometimes he tempts wolves in sheep's clothing. Balaam type figures. To quote scripture. In pushing for very evil, wicked programs. And we can play the part of Adam and Eve with the forbidden fruit. Hey, what's the big deal? It does look pretty tasty. I'm not going to lie. Hath God said? And before you know it, Eden is closed off to you. I think we should be reminded as we look at the State of the Union, we should be reminded of the big evangelical voices who said it really doesn't matter who you vote for. Who says you can't vote for a Democrat if you're a Christian? That's nonsense. Pride, egotism, just as deadly of sins as abortion and murder and sexual perversion. Biden called Roe versus Wade maternal care last night. That was bizarre. And again, I think it's funny that Candace Owens highlighted what I've been saying here for several weeks to my sons. When Obama said these kinds of things, he made it sound like a good idea. Biden says it, and it sounds bad. He's saying bad things, and when he says the bad things, they actually sound bad. Which I think, I think is a better thing. I would rather not be tempted by the bug light. Don't go into the light. Zzz. I would rather not be tempted 
to agree with Obama when he says very evil, untrue things and makes them sound good. Sweet nothings. I would prefer that when nothings are whispered in our ears, they are whispered in a way that sounds better. Biden is whispering bitter nothings <laughs> in our ears, occasionally punctuating with outbursts of anger. Anger at himself, I think, more than his political opponents, although it can just as quickly get directed as at his political opponents or his supposed allies. <clears throat> but I watched that State of the Union address last night, and I thought to myself of very highly respected and trusted, best-selling, widely listened to, quickly heated leaders in American evangelical Christianity who weighed in in the 2020 election to say that Trump tweeting mean things was just as bad or worse compared with Biden wanting partial birth abortion or socialism or the teaching of gender theory to your five-year-olds transvestite story hour at your local library critical race theory defunding the police it's all the same really mean tweets arrogance Trump is arrogant and brash and that's another curious thing and again Candace Owens picked up on this maybe she's been listening to my podcast hi Candace if you're listening good job you're great but when Obama would say untrue things, he made them sound appealing. When Trump said true things, he made them sound, at least to people who were prickly and who were easily swayed, he made them sound hard. Biden says dumb things, and they do sound dumb and incoherent, which is appropriate. Our prayer should be that we have somebody in office next, who represents our country next, and not someone, but a whole generation of leaders and public servants who, when they say a good thing, it sounds appropriate. It sounds good. When they say that something is good, it sounds good. When they say that something is bad, it sounds bad. Who rightly call things by their names. Who don't say up is down and down is up and left is right and in is out and good is bad and bitter is sweet and no let your yes be yes and your no be no anything more comes from the evil one but Biden called Roe v. Wade and a very narrowly defeated attempt at codifying Roe v. Wade and Joe Manchin God bless you sir for voting with the Republicans Make sure that did not get codified. Joe Biden called Roe v. Wade women's health and maternal care. This is where he's a blessing in disguise because if you actually look up the word maternal, it means mother. You're admitting that this is a mother, which means you're admitting that this is a child, which means that you're admitting that this is murder. You've been weighed. You've been measured, 
You've been found wanting, Democrats. You embraced lies from the pit of hell and made them into your party platform. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. I very much hope that Roe v. Wade is overturned. I think that would be a fantastic start to a national revival of Christian conviction, Christian civilization. And no, that is not a dog whistle for white nationalism. If I hear such dribble one more time, I am going to scream. Jesus was a Jew, born a Jew. All of the apostles were Jews, born Jews, ethnically. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation is going to be singing praises to the Lamb in the end. The Great Commission is to make disciples of all nations. Our origin story says we're not evolved from variously developed lower life forms. Some of us more evolved than others. We're all evolved. Some of us are just more evolved than others to borrow and adapt the line from George Orwell's Animal Farm. We're all equal. Some of us are more equal than others. No, the Christian origin story, and this is part of why it's so very critical, very important that we hold to a literal interpretation of Genesis in my view, our origin story says we all descend from Adam and Eve, one man and one woman. And it doesn't say, nor does it need to say, how much melanin was in their skin. The fact that they were going around the garden naked for some undetermined amount of time, we don't know how long. Could have been weeks, could have been months, could have been years, could have been decades, could have been a century or more for all we know. The fact that they were going around naked and unashamed leads me to believe they were probably not as white as I am. Working from home, sitting in my office, sitting in my computer all day. Although I am honored to be an honorary Hispanic. Thank you, J.P. Chavez and Roy Garcia. It really is an honor. Quite frankly, I almost want to encourage each of my children to grow up and marry somebody from a different continent just to drive the point home. I mean, they need to be Christians first and foremost. That's got to be the first and foremost thing, but just to prove that we're not racists. This is not about white nationalism. Get out of here. Your beef is not with white people. Your beef is with Christianity because your beef is with Christ, because your beef is with God, because you're of your father, the devil. Your constant railing against white supremacy. Yes, there is such a thing as white supremacy, but as broadly defined as these Marxists have defined white nationalism and white supremacy and all that, white centeredness, you come up with all these newfangled terms that can mean anything you want them to. Because at the end of the day, it's theater, it's hokum, it's a lot of sleight of hand, it's a lot of snake oil selling. I think, you want to know my theory, I think diversity is a God-given, wonderful, beautiful thing. 
I think that very few things would please me more than being able to travel the world someday. COVID blows over, or apparently it is over, because Democrats' polling numbers are in the tank. They're looking to get obliterated as a party. When you have three separate responses to Biden's State of the Union address from Democrats and only one from Republicans, it ain't a good sign. So apparently COVID's over. Once we get our finances in order, maybe our kids are a bit older. Maybe once our kids are grown up and moved out. I would love to take my wife to visit all the countries that our ancestors are from as far back as we can study the genealogy. Furthermore, I'd love to visit Australia, Japan, South Korea. I would love to visit Greece and Italy and France, Switzerland and Scotland. And Iceland looks beautiful to me. I would love to visit some of the pre-Columbian Native American ruins down in South America and Central America. I just think that would be a dream come true. I would love to visit Egypt, see the pyramids in person, go to Athens, see the Parthenon in person, go to Rome, see the Colosseum. I'd love to see Stonehenge in person, maybe the Louvre in Paris. I would love to go on a safari, see African wildlife in their native habitat, see the African people in person, see the people of South America and the island nations in person, see the people of Australia and Asia and the Middle East. I would love to visit Israel. I would love to visit every continent and see what did God make. Yes, what have we done with it? But can you see the creative genius of the good Lord in the diversity of our kinds of life, in the ways that we have built civilization all over the world, in the ways that, yes, sometimes we err greatly, but also can be forgiven. The Democrats in government, and in Big Eva. Are not leaders. Not leaders that we should follow. We might be facing World War III. We might be facing the real prospect of a lot of our young, a lot of our young men. <clears throat> I have seven I'm raising right now. My wife and I have seven sons one daughter. It's a scary thought that World War III might break out. Maybe some of our sons get sent off to fight in it. That's what the failed policies amount to. You get murdered, unborn children here in America when you vote for a Democrat like Biden. You could have known better. You should have known better. If you didn't know better, shame on you. And you shouldn't be leading shouldn't be weighing in on the election. And low-information voters and low-information pew-sitters shouldn't be listening to you. 
We get murdered children because they haven't been born yet here in this country. You get mutilated children because the left is at war with human nature because it hates God, because it wants to be God. It's in broad agreement with Satan on who knows better, us or him. Texas Governor Greg Abbott just announced that he wants to prosecute parents who are transitioning their children from one gender to the other for child abuse. What do I think of that? I don't have to conduct a poll. I don't have to ask a sample group of a thousand Americans. I don't need to invite on somebody who's been a best-selling Christian author. Better that a millstone would be tied around the neck and someone be thrown into the depths of the sea than that they would cause one of these little ones who believe in Jesus to stumble. For that matter, get your kids out of the public schools. Homeschool. There's a plan for Christian civilization, not white Christian nationalism. Nothing thrills me more than knowing that a lot of African-American and Hispanic-American families have decided to pull their kids out. Because you know what? CRT is not just bad for white kids. (laughs) It's bad for all kids. Because it doesn't comport with reality. And when I say it doesn't comport with reality, what I mean is it flies in the faith and it flies in the face of what we read in God's word. It looks to punish children for the sins of their parents and grandparents and great-grandparents ad infinitum. It seeks to become unjust judges and to make everyone complicit in this unjust judging. It seeks a cultural revolution, which we've seen before. We know where it ends. Pick up Mao, the untold story. Check out a people's revolution. Look at what happened in China and Russia. Not on our watch. This will not happen. This will not stand. So when I find out that Asian Americans, African Americans, Hispanic Americans are homeschooling their kids, particularly if they're homeschooling their kids because they're trying to train them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord, boy, howdy, do we need more of that? Yes. Because you know what I see on the other end of that home education experience? I see my children and their children being good friends, talking about books, what they're reading. I see them talking about foreign policy and theology and art and science. And hey, what are you doing this weekend? We're thinking about going hiking or going for a picnic or watching a movie. You guys want to get together? That's what I see coming down the pike. Christian civilization. Not survival of the fittest. Not I'm a species and you're a species. That can only be one, like Highlander. The state of the union is not strong. I'm not going to flatter you. Listen to the Republican response. It ended on a much more cheerful note. Of course, it was a woman. Because Biden is a man. Republicans want to say, ah, we too. 
but Biden ended his State of the Union by saying the State of the Union is strong. The Republican governor of Iowa ended her State of the Union by saying the State of the Union is strong. And I say the State of the Union is weak. Never in my life have I felt like the State of this Union was weaker, in fact. But it could get stronger, by God's grace, if we repent of our sins, sins like infanticide, sexual immorality, deceit, setting brother against brother. Basically, look at the short list of things that God hates and repent of those first. Start there. Start with that. Do a keyword search on BibleGateway.com, for instance. Look for the word woe, W-O-E. Start with that. See if any of those are what you need to repent of. But that said, my youngest, no, I'm sorry, not youngest. Andrew's not quite to that level yet. John, John is no longer the youngest, second to youngest. My second to youngest just walked in to let me know that that's enough for this episode. So I got to run. But as always, thank you for listening. Until next time, God bless. You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you just heard, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Also check out thegarrettashleymulletshow.com to subscribe to email alerts when new episodes are published. As always, you can reach me with any comments, questions, complaints, objections, or insights at garrettashleymullet at protonmail.com. Thank you.